sit back and relax as you listen to the Texas State Sports Podcast. Find us online at TexasStateSports.com. Hey guys, what's happening? My name is Tyler Mayforth, and if you didn't know, this is the Texas State Sports Podcast. After an off week that felt much longer, Texas State is ready to get back to business and returns to the field on Saturday night at Arkansas State. Make no mistake about it, this game is huge for the Bobcats. If Texas State beats the two-time defending conference champs, Dennis Franchione's team will move into a tie for second place in the Sun Belt. Plus, a victory would surely strengthen the Bobcats' resume in the eyes of any bowl committee looking to fill a vacancy. Now to get you ready for this weekend's game, let's bring in Martin Ferguson, who covers Arkansas State for AStateNation.com in this week's Insider Interview. And now let's uh, let's just jump right in. Now uh, take me through the season thus far for Arkansas State. A little bit of a rough patch to start it, 2-3, and three, but since they've won 3-4 of four with back-to-back wins in the Sun Belt against South Alabama and a dominant win last week over ULM 42-14. Well, it, it's it's been an up and down season. It started out, uh, you know, with a win over an in-state one double A team or FCS team as they're called now, and and then went to uh, the Plains and played Auburn in a very you know tight, close game through pretty much three quarters of the game, and and came back home but defeated Troy in a shootout, and so uh, I think most fans thought that things were pretty much rolling along like they had the last couple of years. Uh, with the team, you know, they've won uh, 10 games each of the last two years in back-to-back Sunbelt titles. And and then all of a sudden they go to Memphis and a long-standing rival, and the wheels kind of come off at Memphis and, and get beat by a team that we most people uh, thought we were a lot better than and, and probably should have uh, should have beaten. And so they lose in Memphis and then come back and play a great game at Mizzou uh, but Mizzou pulls away late uh, on that one to win, and so all of a sudden the team looks up and they're two and three, and a little stirring in the stands. Uh, come back, win uh, homecoming over Idaho, come pull back to even, and then go to Lafayette on a Tuesday night to take on you know one of the preseason favorites in the Sun Belt. And a game that the offense never got on track, and the defense was left on the field most of the game, and, and Arkansas State ends up losing that one 23-7. to And so not that the locals were ready to break out the pitchforks and the bonfire just yet, but, you know, all of a sudden for a team that's won 20 games over two years and you're, you know, when you're three and four, uh, there's a little bit of stirring. So the last two weeks on the road at South Alabama against a very good South Alabama team, shut them down on the offensive side of the ball, find a way to way to win at the end of the game 17-16, and they got back to 500. And then last week, I think what most people uh, that are Arkansas State fans would say is a place in Monroe that that has been a team that Arkansas State has got a long, long history with and has never uh, – we've always battled, and that's been a tough place to play on the road at Monroe but came out last week and beat them 42-14 to and pretty much uh, beat them in all phases of the game. Um, blocked a field goal, blocked a punt, chased Colton Browning around, or as I call him, the Johnny Manziel of the Sun Belt, 
chased him all over the field and, and really nicked him up and beat on him for most of the game and shut him out in the second half and, and ran up, um, you know, ran up the score there uh, as the game went on. So a 42-14 win now at 5-4, and four, three to play. And the next two at home, now the fan base has kind of settled down. The defense seems to uh, be getting in the groove. And uh, so at 5-4 and four now, I think some of the fans are starting to see some daylight as ASU now sits by itself in second place, one game behind Lafayette. What's allowed Arkansas State to play so well despite all these coaching changes, going from Freeze, Malzahn, to Harson? Just they keep winning. It seems is it in the kids' DNA? Is it in the kids? Is it just they want to respect the program so much and not lose? What is it? I think that before going back to the coach before Hugh Freeze, Steve Roberts, before Steve got here, this was a program that limped through the '90s in its first decade of, of 1A, and basically had beaten one Division One school outside of conference on the road. Uh, a win at Hawaii many years ago and had had really limped along. And then Steve appeared uh, from northwest Louisiana, <clears throat> really stabilized the program, and like I said, got high-quality and high-character players in and was able to go out and was a good recruiter and really was able to find some, some diamonds in the rough. And at this level of football, that's what you have to do. You're, it's going to be tough to lure uh, four- and five-star recruits to most Sunbelt schools. You're going to end up with uh, a lot of two- and three-star recruits that you try to coach up. You're going to have some transfers, uh, some kids that maybe for whatever reason didn't work out at larger schools. And so by the time Hugh Freeze appeared in 2010, he had had a group that was that was talented, had won six games the year, you know, uh, two years before, and just needed, you know, a little bit of a coaching notes, just needed to, to – to be pushed in the right direction. And once they were, uh, that got the ball rolling. But really it comes back down to talent. And, and ASU benefited over the last two years. Ron Applin, uh, the graduated last year, two-time conference player of the year. And this was a kid that uh, they put him in as a freshman just because we the, the, the team was struggling and not going anywhere, and they saw he was the future and all of a sudden, you've got a kid that is a junior and senior is the conference player of the year. And those those got a, those kind of guys are few and far between. But uh, good defense, uh, good skill players, and but really it seems where they have uh, really been able to find players is really on the defensive line and linebackers. They've, they've played very well up front in the front seven, sent several guys to the pros. Demario Davis is playing for New York Jets now. Um, got drafted third round. Uh, out of ASU a couple of years ago. Uh, tonight, as we record this on a Monday night, you know, uh, Don Jones is playing for the Miami Dolphins tonight in Monday Night Football. So NFL quality defensive players, that's also helped them, uh, has, has helped them through the carryover with three coaches. Talent cures a lot of things. And you mentioned transfers earlier, and one of the biggest transfers for the team this year was that of Adam Kennedy coming from Utah State, um, where he sat behind Chuck, Chucky Keaton for a while, and Chucky Keaton's a great quarterback. I saw him play last year. and um, But all of a sudden, Adam Kennedy goes to Arkansas State, and he's, he benefits from that you know senior that senior graduate rule where he could play an extra year, um, and he earns a starting job. What did Adam Kennedy do, do so well in spring and fall that allowed him 
to kind of supersede everyone else and to be the quarterback, be the man for Arkansas State. Adam Kennedy appeared and showed up with a lot of maturity, as you expect a fifth-year senior to do. Uh, he's also a guy that came in and seemed to find a way to be accepted immediately. I think one of the biggest concerns in spring ball was, is this a guy that's going to come in and be able to step in and take over as the leader of this team when he has no chemistry and has not been here very very long and has earned a lot of respect and seems to be a real player's uh, type player. You know, he's a guy that, that, that the everybody else on the team obviously likes to play for, and he is somebody that uh, sees the field pretty interesting. He was brought in as somebody who was a – Pretty much considered a pocket passer, a drop back guy, a tall, lanky kid, six four, six five, you know, two twenty that that could throw the ball around the field. And what has happened is he's turned into not only a a running, I mean, not only a passing threat, but as a guy over the last several games, uh, you look up now and this is a guy that's you know running for forty or fifty yards per game and is now a running threat. So they're throwing in a little read option with him, and teams have seemed to really. Uh, have struggled with that, and also he's a game manager. He is a guy who has completed, um, you know, almost 70% of his passes. He's uh, thrown four interceptions through nine games, so he is not a kid that is going to lose a game for you, and that coupled with, you know, with a pretty good arm and the respect of his teammates, and, and voila, you've got a starting quarterback. Also in the backfield, generally is David Oku, one of the premier running backs in the, in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, last week he missed the game due to a violation of team rules. I understand it to be a fight, um, and I asked uh, Coach Harson on the Sun Belt coaches teleconference today if he was back, and he said yes, barring any setbacks. David should be in the backfield this weekend against Texas State. But last week against QLM, they didn't seem to have much of a problem running the ball. You know, 259 yards. Michael Gordon had a heck of a night, 17 carries, 72 yards, um, as well as, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Thornton as well. Uh, so does David Oku truly add that much to this team? At the, I mean, or are they going to continue rolling with Gordon and Thornton? Well, David Oku is a real talent, and he's got a, he's a kid that has got a, a very good shot at playing at the next level. He's got great field vision. He is a um, – you know, a kid that runs with a lot of force and impact. And and he's, you know, he's a kid that when this year's said and done, he's going to probably run for six or 700 yards. But in that backfield, um, you know, the guy that started this last week, Michael Gordon, they call him Flash Gordon, uh, this is a kid on the year that's, that, you know, has averaged about seven yards a carry. And he is a home run hitter. He's the kid that if he can catch a crease and, 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 gets into that next level of, of gets into the secondary, he's dangerous and can break away. And so he was a kid that was recruited, uh, speaking of Michael Gordon, he's a kid that was recruited by Gus Malzahn. And when he was brought in, he was a three-star recruit. And when he was brought in at that time, people said, uh, or I say people, Gus Malzahn himself said, look, this is a guy that you should keep an eye on because he is very special. And so I think fans have kind of stood and waited to see what uh, see what Michael was going to do when he had a chance to do it. Uh, he's a kid out of Mississippi, and who you know came in with some pretty high accolades as as, as far as a recruit. 
And so, like I said, he was a favorite of Gus Malzahn's. Uh, he's a kid that's, that everybody said, you know, wait till he gets, um, you know, wait till he gets his chance. And when he gets his chance, he's gonna, he's gonna be very special. So, uh, he came in to, uh, came into the game last week and was fantastic. And, and then there's another kid who's been resurrected under Brian Harson as the, the third running back, Sir Gregory Thornton, one of the all-time great first names in football. Uh, I told somebody if I was having a, a child any time, but Sir Gregory Thornton is a kid out of Memphis who over the last year or two, due to injuries and some other things, has kind of disappeared uh, off of the – it's kind of disappeared off of the depth charts and not had much uh, – many carries. And all of a sudden, under Brian Harson, he's been resurrected, and this is a kid this year that's, you know, has run, you know, gets about 5.9 yards – a carry and has run for three or four hundred yards on the season. So uh, multiple levels, a lot of kids, and all of them get carries in every game. So uh, Harson is um, last year. Uh, David Oku pretty much got almost all the carries, and this year under Harson, he is he's playing all three of these guys on a pretty equal basis. So uh, if one goes down, then there's there's two more ready to step in. And one thing uh, Harson also said on today's teleconference was that uh, I'm going to say this kid's name wrong, Quayshon uh, Lee. Um, he finally is healthy again. But he, had, I'm looking at his stats: 90 total tackles, 40 unassisted, 50 assisted, four and a half tackles for a loss, and you know two forced fumbles. If he's finally helping now, how good can this kid be if he's done that while hobbled? Well, Keyshawn Lee is a uh, a junior. He's out of Alabama. Uh, he is somebody that you look at, and he's only he's not he's not six foot. He's he's probably five eleven, and a solid you know two hundred and twenty two hundred and thirty pounds. But he is a guy that is a playmaker, and Keyshawn uh, is um, a guy that came in last year. He was. As a sophomore, was the you know bowl game MVP, and is a guy that just is every every week improves and gets better. Last year, a uh, hundred tackles on the season. Now this year, he's tracking you know to be somewhere in the 120 range. And and he's you know when you get to that point where you're you're pushing over 100 tackles, uh, you're doing something very special. And and Kushan is. Is that player uh, tackles for loss, and um, you know wherever he's all over the field, and he's he's a playmaker, and he he plays with uh, he plays with with great aggression. Let me put it that way. And so it's uh, he's he's you know was a preseason first team All Sun Belt Conference pretty much on everybody's list, and I'll be surprised if he doesn't finish the year uh, as an all as an All Conference selection. Now, one thing I noticed last Saturday, what uh, Monroe was able to do to the to the Red Wolves, at least early in the game, was to hit them with those quick bubble screens and kind of mix in the run a little bit uh, with uh, Edwards. Now, Texas State loves to run the ball. That's no doubt. They've, uh, I believe they passed, what, six times? I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it passed a very few times against Georgia State. But then they opened it up a little bit last week against – or two weeks ago against Idaho, excuse me. Um, but one thing I'll also notice about ULM was that they went to the well, as the announcer said, one too many times with that bubble screen. Now, Texas State likes to run that bubble screen. Is that something that, you know, Arkansas State can get beat on? Or 
is it something that you should hit occasionally because they're going to snuff it out like they did against ULM? Well, that's something with the bubble screen is is something that um, obviously these kids have seen a lot of in practice over the last couple of years because that's something anybody that's watched Ole Miss or even Alabama or any I mean uh, Auburn or any Gus Malzahn coach teams that is part of their part of their playbook. Now, uh, what is I think what happened last week is is you've got a case where you've got two good athletes uh, playing corner for. Uh, Arkansas State and Artez Brown and, and Rocky Hayes, uh, sophomore and a junior, respectively, and, and both of those guys are pretty aggressive players. And I think that last week it was more of a scheme situation because uh, John Thompson, that's Arkansas State's defensive coordinator, pretty much set out in that game, and it, it, it was obvious pretty quickly that it's like, look, we're going to put four, five, six, seven guys chasing the ball and chasing Colton Browning around, and we're going to leave a guy in the, in the middle of the field as a spy. And so I think that Monroe felt like they had numbers on the corner. So I think that was something that was um, that, that they thought we were keeping a ton of players in the box just to put pressure on Browning. And then, like I said, with a spy, I think they felt like they had numbers uh, on that. But uh, good athletes in the secondary uh, for ASU, and some guys to keep an eye on, uh, playing rover back back there is, is a freshman from freshman from Texas. Um, you'll see him back there, number 27, Money Hunter, who is of uh, Tory Hunter, uh, Major League Baseball fame, is his son. He's 6'1", about 190 pounds, and a true freshman. And so between him, Artez Brown, Sterling Young, and Rocky Hayes, you've got a pretty talented uh, back four that are very aggressive. And so I think that Monroe thought that they might catch them um, playing up and, and, and be able to beat, uh, maybe to be able to beat them one-on-one. But I think they figured out real quick that that, that was not going to be the case. So Now, other than the, the obvious score, what's if a Texas State fan is going to be watching this game, what's going to be a sign that things aren't going too well for Arkansas State? I mean, is it that – David Oku is bottled up. Is it Michael Gordon can't find the seam? Maybe Adam Kennedy throws a pick or two, or you know JD McKissick is not finding his way. They're being physical with them. What is it? Do you think that Texas State fans can say, okay, this game is going our way if this is happening? The 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 tell this whole year, and I think the thing that is is been the most frustrating to um, Arkansas State fans is. Seem to be able to tell fairly quickly out of the gate whether the offense is in a rhythm or not, and that's something that that you know Texas State fans can watch for. If, if uh, in the Monroe game, even though they didn't score a ton of points immediately, ASU moved the ball up and down the field. Same thing in the in the South Alabama game, and you had the feeling that if things start clicking a little bit, they're going to punch the ball in the end zone and score some points. The games that they have struggled and lost, uh, such as Lafayette, you could tell early they were out of rhythm, no sync. Um, team was struggling to find its way. So I think the Texas State fans and ASU fans will know pretty quickly uh, whether Arkansas State's offense is going to click or not and score some points. And that's really going to be the key, uh, really going to be the key in this game. Now for those people coming to Jonesboro, um, what are some good sites to see? Maybe what are some good restaurants? They want to, you know, shoot the breeze with some Arkansas State fans on, say, a Friday night. 
talk some uh, football before the game, some good-natured ribbing. Where should they go to kind of get this done? Well, it is now pretty much you've got two options. If you stay close to on Stadium Boulevard, you stay close to the school, um, there are there's literally every franchise restaurant known to man up and down Stadium Boulevard. If there are 1,200 franchise, franchise restaurants and 1,190 of them are on Stadium Boulevard. So that's one option for people that want to play it safe and go to the big name chain. Uh, the other place uh, that you should go in Jonesboro, if you want to see the local nightlife and you want, you want to rub elbows with some nice people, is to go downtown, go to Main Street, and this is an old – uh, old business district, and, you know, an old typical downtown where in most towns it has died away. This place is, is completely revitalized, and you have a string of restaurants and bars down there to enjoy. So go to Main Street and just walk Main Street, and you will find plenty of places uh, to go and eat and have a drink and hear music. And uh, that's something that has really only happened in about the last decade in Jonesboro. So uh, go to Main Street, go out and enjoy yourself, and um, and like I said, feel free to wear your gear. I think that uh, nobody that's come to Jonesboro has ever had a uh, overall has had a negative experience with uh, with the uh, local fans there. So a pretty friendly, pretty uh, friendly place to hang out for opposing fans. Perfect. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Texas State Sports Podcast, and hopefully this weekend is a good game as these two teams will be battling for second place. That's great. Tyler, thank you again for having me on and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Texas State Sports Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at tmayforth at sammarcosrecord.com, find me on Twitter at smdrtyler, or leave a comment on our Facebook fan page, which can be found by searching Texas State Sports. Be sure to follow my coverage all season long, but especially this week, as we try to find out just how similar the Texas State Bobcats and Roman from GTA 4 really are. If you got that reference, you surely have way too much time on your hands. As always, you can find my coverage online at sammarcosrecord.com and on the blog at texasstatesports.com. <laughs>